Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome in to Brewcast from Mason Brew Podcast Network on the SB Nation Podcast Network. I am Luke Giardi, joined as always by Anthony Broom and Chris Castellani here with you on a Monday as we head into Tuesday. And we have entered, of course, uh, the month of May here, which is usually a very downtime in the sporting world, especially for this show anyway, but uh, especially now. But uh, you know, joined by my guys, fellow Star Wars fans, kind of cool to be uh, recording our podcast on Star Wars Day. How are you guys doing here today? Doing well, except for the thing that's annoying about Star Wars Day or like this week at SB Nation is uh, Marvel Week, which is something we've been working on for a bit here, um, at least, you know, with the dot-com national. It's annoying when people are like, I don't get why all this nerd stuff is trending. It's like, Dude, like for Marvel, Avengers Endgame is the highest grossing movie of all time. Like yeah. if you didn't see it, you are like in the minority. It's you're, you're flexing for absolutely no reason. Same deal with Star Wars. Biggest media property um, in the history of the world. I mean, I don't know. There's not a and I'm not picking on this movie or anything like that, but there's not a. um there's not a theme park dedicated to like Stephen King novelizations. There is a theme park that has Star Wars stuff in it. So it's like, I don't know, just let people, I just get annoyed. Let people enjoy what they are going to enjoy. And that's the thing that that's- social media taught me, right? Is that people just don't like when other people enjoy things. No, right. <laughs> unless, unless you can enjoy it with them. Right. That's the only time. Exactly. 
I well, I, they want you. They want you to enjoy watching The Office for the twelfth time. And oh, isn't that funny when Kevin spills chili all over the floor? Isn't that which, great? Which it is. But yeah, I'm not going to disparage The Office. I love The Office. So no, I'm not. I'm just saying. For example, like there are people that will watch that fourteen times. I like. I The Office is a terrific show. I'm not bemoaning The Office or Stephen King for that matter. But um, like, open your mind. Try something a little different. I don't know. Yeah, I, I noticed that first time I noticed that was in all the way back when I was in sixth, seventh grade when the Dark Knight was coming out. And even even up until then, as big as comic book movies had started to become, you felt like there was it was a much bigger niche, but still a niche market. And then that movie dropped and it became the, at the time the second highest grossing movie ever. And all of a sudden it's like, wow, that's that's a lot of nerds. If a movie is going to cross what what close to I think two billion that movie made. Uh, yeah, I mean we, we've reached a point now where it things have crossed uh, things have crossed barriers, and I think that's dope. I agree. I agree. And I think we, we have kind of a, a theme for that here today on the show. As I said, uh, not a lot of sports going on out there in the world right now, obviously, uh, other than ESPN announcing today, they're going to be uh, bringing the Korean baseball league uh, in some of their games, which I'm sure oh, yeah. I, I don't know if I'm excited for that. I know he's a big baseball fan. I don't know if he, he crosses over into the, the Korean baseball league at all. You Samsung know, Lions for life, baby. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what we're doing today here on Brewcast is we're going to give you uh, uh, kind of in honor of, of all this going on, you know, Anthony's been working a lot on this uh, with, with SB Nation and things like that uh, with, with the Marvel thing going on. It is Star Wars Day. So we're going to give you our uh, five must-see movies each. And I will go ahead and throw a disclaimer on here. My co-hosts here, Anthony and, and Chris, they are very big into movies. They They know what they're looking at. They can dissect movies. They can, like, dissect the cinematography and things like that. I am in no way, <laughs> shape or form uh, that way at all. I took like a film class in, in college, you know, in, in the BCA program. And it was, it was meh to me. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so I am not Dr. J. If my, if my <laughs> list is like, if you like think of my list, like, wow, this guy is an idiot. Like, what is this? That's not a musty movie. Like, I apologize. I'm just not, not a big film guy. These guys are the, the list you should go off of Anthony and Chris. Well, here's the thing too. It's not, it, we're we're this is me asking Luke, what do you consider to be five must see movies? Chris, what do you consider to be five must see movies? It doesn't mean five best. It doesn't mean five perfect. Um, in fact, you know my list could change given the day you ask it me. I really just wrote down the five things that came to mind um, for so, mine. But yeah, that's the cri- the criteria. It's not being weighted against. Oh, we're um, you know what's the best shot movie? What's the best scored movie of all time? Um, now it's, Hey, what do you, if I gun to your head, so to speak, five movies that everyone needs to watch right now. So that's what we're doing here. Are we, are we ranking these or are we just kind of spitballing them here? Um, I'd say you're go ahead. I don't know. Do you want to, we could, we probably should have worked this out before we pressed record. That's all Um, right. You know, (laughs) what do you, what do you think? You want to rank them? You want to go from five to one for each of us or just fire them out there? We, we could do that. I'm sure we're going to have some crossover, you know. I don't think there's any question about that. Yeah, um, that might be true. Let's rank them then. Why yeah, yeah let's, let's, let's start at five. And if you don't mind, I'll go first because I kind of have a caveat with, with these um, in the sense that, you know, we, we've talked about Star Wars and we've talked about Marvel and things like that. So in my mind, something like 
episode five for Star Wars and Infinity War to me are must-see movies, but the caveat that comes with that is I don't know how much you can enjoy those movies if you never saw, say, episode four leading into episode five, or if you never saw the Marvel Marvel movies leading into Infinity War because there was just so much going on, you know? I I think they're both must-see movies. I just, I don't know if it goes into it if you haven't seen the movies preceding it. I'm glad you brought that up because that's kind of how I put my list together. Like, sort of a one-off type deal. Like, if if you haven't seen this... That's kind of, you know, right. A, a gateway drug, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. So, well, why don't you go ahead and well, give us my, your, those your, are my, those are my five. Those two are, are like five A and five B. I apologize for breaking the rules right away, but. Oh, that's no problem. Um, well, let me get into, let me give you my number five then, because it kind of, it kind of goes hand in hand with what you just said. Um, my number five is The Empire Strikes Back, one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, that being said, I think you know what your point about you know it, have, it being connected to movies that came before it. I think, and, and Chris, you can feel free to jump in on this too. I think that Empire stands alone pretty well. Yeah. Um, I think it's kind of you know the very first Star Wars in 1977 was a pretty. It's a pretty simple, bare bones movie when you think about it. Um, some of the things in it, in it haven't dated so well. Um, I think the reason that I think that stands alone is um, because I think the story is pretty self-contained. Now, uh, plot threads fr- uh, from it go into the next movie and, and subsequent films and things like that. But the the reason that I would say that one is it's the one that George Lucas has messed with the least. Uh, in the years that have preceded it. Um, he, he likes to go back and add CGI gobbledygooks into shots and, mm-hmm. and change certain sequences here and there. Um, all they've really done with Empire is like, I think they've color corrected a few things here and there. But Which I have no that, problem with, and I still don't with any movie, really. No. Um, so a Empire couple, Strikes Back. A, yeah, couple I, C, a couple CG things in Cloud City, but besides that. Yeah. So yeah. I would say Empire. If... If you're looking for a gateway move, like, first of all, if you're looking for a gateway into Star Wars, you should just start with the original Star Wars. But if you're asking me what the best one is, um, I think that's that's it. And I don't know if it's that close, to be honest with you. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, one of the best sequels ever made, one of the best films uh, of all time. You know, for, for my list... Um, I, I went with, you know, some of these are definitely in my list of, of favorite movies ever, but I also just kind of went with uh, a couple films that I think got overlooked by some people, uh, and I, I think have aged pretty well. And my number five is actually a movie from 2010, uh, directed and starring Ben Affleck called the town. I uh, obviously Ben Affleck known for, uh, his best picture winning film Argo, which is a, a great movie in its own right. Uh, but the town a 2010 movie about bank robbers in uh, a city in Massachusetts, which is known as the bank uh, robbery capital of the world. It is a tight, tight story, a great thriller, a good love story, has a phenomenal lead performance by Ben Affleck and an Academy Award nominated performance, supporting performance by Jeremy Renner. It's you know, I think we're going to be talking a lot about genre films, you know, in this top five, whether it be superhero films or, or um, you know, stuff like Star Wars. And, I think in a weird way, the town at points 
it reminds me oddly of those in the sense that the Marvel films and Star Wars movies do such a great job of world building and setting up their own environment and their own rules. The town, you really get, you feel like this town that is involved in the movie that takes place, uh, or that is the setting behind this film feels very lived in and real and gritty. And I think that it does a tremendous job of setting up its own universe and its own rules. It's a very tight, Thriller to me, probably still of the movies Ben Affleck has directed, is my favorite. Uh, even this is the biggest endorsement of all. I, you know, my dad does not share the love of movies that that I share, and that's fine. But even so, like he he's very thumbs up, thumbs down. He pretty much ninety percent of movies that I show my dad, he'll come out of and say, "Yeah, it was good," which is fine. This was one of the only ones where he came out of and said, "Yeah, that's that was a really good movie." I saw it with him my freshman year. Of high school, so I recommend if it's uh, available on streaming, which I believe it is, uh, the Town 2010 film starring Ben Affleck, a phenomenal movie. The Town is awesome. Yeah. Is, I was I was going to ask you when you said it. I was going to ask you if Renner ever won anything for that because he was fantastic in that movie. That, that was a movie was amazing. It came out in September, and I remember when it came out, a lot of people saying, "Man, this movie is going to be nominated for something." And I think it was one of those weird instances where a movie came out too soon because 2010 was a pretty good year for film. And I think had it have come out in in November, December, it might have gotten more attention. The only thing I believe it got nominated for was Jeremy Renner's performance for Best Supporting Actor, which was uh, well-deserved. Yeah, very slept-on Boston movie. Everyone thinks of The Departed, and um, I know there are other ones that escape me, but Ted, I don't know. <laughs> but, <laughs> good yeah, good no, well hunting. The Goodwill Hunting, pitch. that's another one. Yeah. yeah. Well, Fever Pitch isn't quite in that category, <laughs> but I understand where you're going with that. Um, so we'll, go, we'll loop back to Luke now. Uh, yeah. So for number four for me, and I don't, I think it's a must see movie, but definitely one for me. I, I think it's a must see in the sense that it is so incredibly rewatchable. I think most people have it in like their top five movies. I'm not really sure, but this is a movie that I can, I, I'm glad I saw for the first time because I can watch it at any point like if it's on tv i can jump in at any point in the plot and, and just watch it throughout the rest and i think those ca- kind of movies are, are really really rare and i think it's a shawshank redemption i yeah. absolutely love this movie um it's it, like morgan freeman isn't the obviously isn't the lead actor in this i don't think w- would he be considered the lead actor in this no, or I, I think, um, uh, uh, why am tim i slipping robbins. out tim robbins tim Ro- i was about to say tony robbins morgan freeman like steals the show kind of thing but i, I think i just think the story is is really good and it it brings to life it, it makes like you know these prisoners these hardened criminals like likable characters it's it's just amazingly uh, amazingly done it definitely one of my favorite movies ever yeah, I dig it. That's that's definitely one you could drop in just about any any moment in the movie and you're mm-hmm. totally, totally engrossed in it. Um, my number four and, uh, you know, I won't say it's controversial, but I think there are a lot of people that have resisted, uh, resisted the call to watch this movie, despite the fact that it is on Hulu now. Uh, my number four is Parasite, and mm-hmm. it's probably the most recent of the films that any of us will talk about. Mm-hmm. And it's you know it's a it's a South Korean film. It is completely uh, completely subtitled. But I think the highest compliment I could give the movie is that it's one of the only things that I've ever sat and read for like two and a half hours straight. Because you you basically read the movie and you're just like totally engrossed by it. 
But at the same time, a lot of people are turned off by the idea of watching you know, movies with subtitles and things like that. It's kind of the reason until re, uh, up until not too long ago, I wasn't as high on a movie like Inglorious Bastards as a lot of people are. Um, people are just turned off by, you know, you, you, a lot of times when you turn on a movie, you're looking to turn off your brain. Um, some movies you have to turn on your brain and watch subtitles and, and Parasite is one of them. But at the same time, I think that the visuals and the setting and the way it's shot, the way it looks kind of tells the story um, itself. So again, people might look, watch it and think it's overrated, but I don't know anyone who's watched it and has said it's not a very good movie. So I would, that would be a recommendation of mine, probably the closest to an art house movie on this list that I have. Um, but that would be one that I recommend yeah. pretty strongly. I mean, it is, I, it, it's really hard to call a movie a perfect movie, but you know, whether see the thing between perfect, there's a difference between perfect and favorite. It's probably not one of my favorite movies, but it is probably the closest thing I've ever seen to a perfect movie, at least in the last 20 years or so. This is where I feel like I don't have like the, the criteria, you know, that you guys do. Cause I liked parasite, but I think I, I was late to the party and I, I, I went into it with like super high expectations, even though I didn't really know what the plot was about. And I liked it, but I didn't under, I guess I didn't really understand where some of the plot lines went in that movie. I had, I had trouble following it. I won't spoil it for anyone. Uh, I don't mind reading the subtitles like city of God is one of my favorite movies. And that is completely shot in a different language. And uh, I, I absolutely love that movie. That wasn't a problem for me. I actually watch all my TV shows with subtitles. It was just, I don't know the, the plot lines. I had a tough time following it a little bit. And that's where I feel like, you almost need like that higher level. It felt like, I don't know. I liked the movie, but I didn't, you know, like love it. Like everyone else did. Yeah. I, I wasn't, I completely understand it. Like, you know, obviously it winning best picture adds kind of this, this sheen of, you know, expectation. And, uh, I, I saw it the day after it won best picture. And I, 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 I wouldn't have given it best picture, but it was one of those things when I rewatched it, I com- and, or when I watched it and then read up on some of it, I completely understand its merits. I completely understand why it won. Um, I even understand to a certain extent the, the um, number of people who view it as kind of a, a perfect film. It didn't, I didn't have the emotional connection to it that a lot of other people did, uh, which is probably the reason why I, I didn't have it as my favorite movie of last year. But um I think it's definitely if you're making a list of movies that people need to watch, I think uh, it, it will be on there. I mean, it's a big deal. So first uh, foreign film to ever win Best Picture at the Oscars. That's that's a very uh, substantial thing that even five years ago, I never would have thought possible. So I think it is uh, an important movie for uh, people people to watch. Uh, my number four is uh, the, actually the only big blockbuster that I have on my list, you know, I was trying to kind of trying to st- stray away from those, but if you've been following me on Twitter for the last month or so, you know, I've been, uh, rummaging my way through all, uh, Marvel films, especially Spider-Man films. And I actually have, uh, the 2002, uh, Sam Raimi Spider-Man film at my number four spot, because I, I think objectively Spider-Man two is a much better film and still probably in my top, uh, 20 favorite movies ever. But, I was in kindergarten when the first Spider-Man came out. And even that, it was really kind of one of my first vivid memories of life. And I even remember then how big of a deal it was. Not the fact that it existed, which was already a big deal, but it was it was kind of one of the first times when people realized that uh, 
comic book cinema, comic book films uh, are kind of here to stay because you'd had the Burton Batman movies, which kind of got ruined in the late nineties by Schumacher. And then you had the X-Men films and blade, but this was, this kind of trumped them all. And it was such an event film. And it's very, I look at it in a way, kind of how I look at the first Avengers, where is it the best movie ever made structurally from a screenplay perspective? No, but it's absolutely the movie it needed to be. And it puts itself in kind of this weird world that is unlike anything that we've ever seen in any other comic book movie. It feels like almost this kind of Mayberry-ish take on what a superhero movie should be. And there's something very pure and very sincere about it too. I think very often in Hollywood uh, films can become jaded. We saw this with the amazing Spider-Man films that those movies are movies that are made by committee and not necessarily by people. And you see the, you go back and watch uh, the 2002 Spider-Man film and there's something very innocent about it. And I, it's not my favorite movie of all time by any means, but yet every time I'm kind of in a bad mood, it's like one of my go-to comfort movies. I love watching and rewatching it. I love visiting that world. And for people maybe around my age who haven't seen it, uh, do yourself a favor and, and watch it. It's, uh, it, I think p- parts of it have aged poorly, but at, at its center, the, the soul of the movie I think is, uh, is kind of timeless. I don't. I don't remember Spider Man Two all that well. So I man, I, I'm gonna have to go back and watch that, Chris. I appreciate you, you should, yeah. throwing it throwing it back out there. I do remember Spider Man, like the trilogy and whatnot. It all kind of blends together for me. I have a question for you guys: Was Franco like a big actor before he got into Spider Man One, or was that kind of one of his first major roles? Um, he had done Freaks and Geeks, which yeah. obviously that was a still kind of a super not niche it was on NBC but it didn't last very long um he had done some other things but i think that was kind of i mean that was that was a pretty big deal for for him uh maybe more so than the other um the other two prominent actors actresses in that yeah. franchise so yeah i think that's kind of where it t- started to take off for him yeah toby mcguire was already kind of an established star and Kirsten Dunst, definitely. Um, and even, uh, obviously, Willem Dafoe as well. Uh, James Franco is one of those guys who was on the up and up. Like, he would have been a movie star at some point, even if he didn't get that role. But yeah, he was. Uh, that was definitely his, his breakthrough. So we're giving you our top five must-watch movies here on Brewcast. We've given number five and number four. And when we come back on the show, we're each going to give you our top three. That's coming up next on Brewcast. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors in life, whether they be big, small, or anywhere in between. And when we keep those bottled up, it can start to affect us in a negative way. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched up with a licensed therapist. And if for some reason that therapist isn't working out for you, you can switch at any time for no additional charge. Get life's challenges off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Block M to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Block M. 
It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Welcome back into Brewcast Show. Luke Yardy, Anthony Broom, and Chris Castellani here with you, recording on Star Wars Day. Uh, of course, May the 4th be with you. I know you've heard that a thousand times already. Uh, if you're listening on Tuesday, yesterday, you heard that. Uh, but we're giving you our top five must-watch movies. We've each given number five and number four. Uh, my number five, I had a 5A, 5B, uh, Empire Strikes Back, and Infinity War. Anthony's number five was uh, Empire Strikes Back, I do believe. And Chris's, uh, how am I already blanking on this? Uh, Chris, the town. Yeah, The Town. The Town, that's right. Uh, my number four was Shawshank Redemption. Anthony's was Parasite. And Chris's was Spider-Man 2. So if you guys are ready uh, to get in the top three here, number three for me, and I feel like this is where this was the movie I had in mind when I had on my list when I gave that disclaimer at the beginning of the show, uh, because this show, this one to me, it, it's like out there. I feel like a lot of people probably forget it even exists or never saw it in the first place. And that's why I think like it's a really fun movie. There's a lot of super interesting themes in it. Uh, I think it's shot real well. I think the sets are awesome. Uh, mine is V for Vendetta. I love this hmm. movie, and I, I think there's a lot of themes and just kind of different stuff that goes in this movie that it gets better the more you watch it as well. So that's why uh, V for Vendetta is my number three on the must-watch list. Uh, I've never seen it, <laughs> if we're being <laughs> honest. Um there's actually a pretty impressive list of movies that people like that I haven't seen, and I feel like this is one of them. Um, right up there with, I've only seen the very first Lord of the Rings movie. So something I'll have to add to the list. Uh, my roommate in college loved this movie. Um, I know, you know, I know of its history. I know the background of it, but I just, I have never gotten around to it. So need to, I need to change that. I suppose. That's what we're doing here on the show. We're just giving you movies you need to watch. I love right, it. Yeah. I've never seen it all the way through either, but it's one of my brother's favorite movies. And I know a lot of people who really appreciate it and think it's underrated. So yeah, I might, I might have to check it out. Anthony, what's your number three? Well, um, I haven't decided which one I want to go number three. So I'm just going to kind of pick one for my list here. Um, you know what? Let's get these, these franchise and genre films out of the way. Uh, my number three, I'm going to go with the original Iron Man uh, from 2008. Yeah. yeah. Um, this is, like I said, we're talking about you know, if Empire's a gateway movie into the rest of that franchise. I think Iron Man is that for the rest of the MCU. There are better movies. Uh, I think it's actually, it's interesting. So I pro- I think I had this about a month or so ago, right around the time that quarantine began. I ranked Marvel movies on the website and I believe this was inside of my top eight. Maybe um, when I went back and rewatched for this project we're doing now, I think I had it at 10 or 11, which I was kind of surprised by, but I think it more speaks to the quality of what came out after it. But uh, there are a few things that haven't aged so well in there. There's a MySpace reference, like 45 seconds in the movie. <laughs> um, but other than that, like it's, 
it's a movie that I think went a long way. 2008 was a pretty big year for superhero films because between Iron Man and The Dark Knight, you had two superhero films that I think made superhero films cool. Uh, And I don't know, relatable. We're dealing with billionaires here, but I just, I felt like it was less about spectacle and more about characterization and story. Um, And there is spectacle in both films. That's what happens when they fire the money cannon into these things. There's going to be big set pieces and stuff, but um, I just feel like the, the first, the first Iron Man, it just, it's just so good. It's just, and if that movie had failed, um, we might not have any of the things that we have today. So I cannot, uh, if you're someone looking to watch these Marvel movies for the first time, though they're all on Disney Plus now, or on you know some combination of Disney Plus and Netflix. Story order is cool. You could start with Captain America: The First Avenger, but if you're a first go round person, I think you should start with chronological order and Iron Man. Um, it's the one that kicked it all off. So I have a very a great fondness for that. Same here. And I think you make, you make a good point about how, you know, 2008 was really a revolutionary year in cinema in general. You go back and watch even the, like the Oscar movies that came out that year. That was really amazing uh, year in film. But um, I think what that year and Iron Man and Dark Knight established um, wasn't just because comic book movies had already been growing in popularity, but it established that comic book movies could be more than just fluff. I love the first Spider-Man, you know, like I just talked about it, but um, it's fluff. It's great fluff. It's nostalgic fluff. But what they did with Iron Man and the Dark Knight that summer making comic book films kind of art for the first time uh, changed everything. And it led to the the MCU that we've uh, gotten today. Now, for my number three um, – Today it was announced, uh, I, obviously no coincidence, that uh, the next Star Wars movie, the live action version, uh, or live action uh, theatrical release uh, was the word I was thinking of, will be directed and co-written by Taika Waititi, who did Thor Ragnarok, and who did the number three movie on my list, which is Jojo Rabbit. Um, this is a movie, you know, I think it's, it's either PG-13 or R, and yet... I feel like it is a movie that could appeal to a 12-year-old boy and an 80-year-old man. Like I think that this is a a really bold, fascinating, funny, heartfelt piece of cinema that I think even though it won the Academy Award for Best Adapted Screenplay, I think is going to age really well and kind of got overlooked because there's so many things about it that could have gone wrong. I mean, it is a, it is a movie about a an 11-year-old kid a, a Nazi boy whose imaginary friend is Hitler played by a New Zealand man. Who's also the director Taika Waititi. And it's, <laughs> it's like so many things about what I just said could have gone horribly r- wrong in the hands of a less competent writer director. And yet it's extremely heartfelt. It's satirical. It's funny. It's one of my favorite movies of the last 10 years. One of my favorite movies of all time. And I, the first time I saw it, the, fr- the first thing I thought was I can't wait to show my parents this movie and they loved it. And I think it's, it's one of those movies that really kind of speaks to the power of cinema that you could take something that is very, that a very dark time in human history and make it offbeat and make it kind of colorful. But yet when the emotional beats, the serious beats come in, it never feels like there's shifts in tone. It is, I think from a screenplay perspective, 
kind of perfect in that sense because every character feels like they have an arc. This is an incredible cast. Sam Rockwell's great. Scarlett Johansson got an Academy Award nomination for her performance in this. Uh, one of one of my favorite movies of all time. And uh, if you want even a glimpse, if you're wondering why uh, some people are very very excited today about the prospect of Taika Waititi uh, helming a Star Wars movie, uh, go watch that movie and you'll understand why. Man, there, there's one for me. I have not seen that one, so right. I'm, I'm going to have to add that to the list. And I'm loving this, man. I'm getting a whole bunch of movies that I need to see. Um, as we, ro- Anthony, did you have any thoughts on that movie? I've never seen it, but if you had some thoughts you wanted to add, I'll let you. I mean, it's tremendous. Um, there's a point in the movie, I think pretty early on, where it's a sequence to where they're playing a Beatles, like a Beatles song is playing, but it's yeah. sung in German. And it's mm-hmm. just, I don't know why, but it just, Here's the thing with that movie. I think it was kind of there was quote unquote controversy around it because there was a very vinyl, a very vocal minority of people on the internet who's like, "Really, we're making movies about feeling sorry for Nazis now?" It's like the people, the same people who can't have fun with anything um, that right. we kind of referenced earlier yeah. on. Um, you're kind of missing the point if that's your takeaway from it because. Um, I think there's a there's a larger message in all of it. And it is it is a, a tremendous movie. I've seen it. I, I watched it in theaters and then I got a screener of it uh, during awards season. But I need to watch it again. Um, it's, it's a good time. All right. So let's move on to our top two must see movies. And at number two for me, uh, this is one of my favorite movies of all time. I own the trilogy. You know, I didn't, I didn't just go look at IMDb or, or anything like that. I, I love this movie. It is probably my second favorite movie of all time. And I think it was an important movie uh, in film history. I think it set off it, or it started its own genre. I might be wrong on that again. I'm not really a historian in that. Uh, but my number two movie is The Godfather. Um, I am, uh, you know, like I'm a full blooded Italian. I'm 100 percent Italian. So th- this movie speaks to me almost on like a cultural level. And, and I know I've seen it on Twitter, some takes, you know, uh, speaking of, um, you know, like SB Nation, things like that. Spencer Hall, uh, who did such a good job with Every Day Should Be Saturday website and whatnot. He's got a lot of movie takes on Twitter as well. And he talked about how like Goodfellas is way more, you know, realistic in, in the Godfather dramatizes everything that everything's like family and things like that. Those two movies took place 30 years apart. Like the Godfather father is set in the forties. Goodfellas is set in the seventies. There was a lot of time uh, for growth into degenerateness uh, in the mafia and things like that. But the, the Godfather to me is just so well done. It's a little long. Not going to lie to you. Uh, I'm one of those weird people that does prefer uh, Godfather one to Godfather two, although Godfather two is incredible. Um, but Marlon Brando is just so good. Obviously, Al Pacino, man, is, is tremendous in this movie, and there's so many levels that it goes to. It's got a great cast. Um, if you've never seen The Godfather, I definitely, definitely recommend it. It's not just like a, a film snob you know, sort of thing that someone tells you to go watch Citizen Kane or something like that. I've seen Citizen Kane. It's, I hate that movie. Um, <laughs> go, watch the, go watch The Godfather, man. It's awesome. It's super entertaining. Uh, give it a shot. Yeah, I've I watched the God like I don't even think I've seen the Godfather as it's intended to be seen. I think I recorded it on AMC like when I was in high school and watched the TV version of it. So I don't even know if that counts as me seeing it. Uh, but I haven't seen Godfather Part Two, and obviously I have not seen Godfather Part Three, which a lot of people hate. Yeah, but um, yeah, uh, by all accounts, a 
a iconic, a, a pillar of cinema. I have, I have nothing, nothing but good things to say about it. Other than, you know, I need to watch it again. So uh, my number, th- what are we? Number two. two now? Number two. Yeah. All right. Uh, I've been everything. I actually have four movies left for two spots. So I'm kind of <laughs> just, I'm free. I'm freewheeling here. Uh, I've been watching a lot of comedies lately. Cause I think it's just, it's just good to, even if you can't muster up the energy to laugh, it's good to just feel good in whatever dose of it you can get right now. Yeah. And um, anyone who knows me knows that I'm also pretty big music guy too, namely rock, classic rock, classic, like heavy metal, things like that. My number two movie is this is spinal tap. Um, it is a movie that um, I think there's, there's a lot of lines in it that people here in pop culture that don't would never realize it's from that movie, like uh, cranking, cranking things up to 11 or things like that. Um, this is spinal tap is a mockumentary of a, a fake rock band that, um, you know, they're from, they're British. They're from Britain. They go on this tour and they have all these, all these problems, all these quirks. And, and the thing that I like about the movie and, uh, is directed by Rob Reiner, who would go on to do stuff like uh, when Harry met Sally, a few good men. Uh, this is, I think this is one of the first things he ever did. Uh, but the movie, the dialogue in the movie is a hundred percent improvised and the, the situations were kind of like loosely written, but everything's improvised and it's, um, they nail the, the silliness that happens like on a rock, like around a rock concert on a rock tour to the point where, when rock bands like kiss and, and some of these other bands that like met these guys that did this movie, they're like, they're sobbing because they like nailed it perfectly. Um, it's a quick watch. I think it's less than 90 minutes. If you've never seen this is spinal tap, I go find it. It is, it is tremendous. Uh, I, and it's a um, little known fact. Uh, one of the characters in it is played by Harry Shearer, who is the voice of, principal Skinner and many other characters on the Simpsons. So um, yeah, give it a watch. If you've never seen it, it's kind of um, it's kind of off the, off the board here a little bit, but uh, a movie that I consider to be a perfect, perfect movie. All right. Well, I, it's a great choice. I mean, it's a classic film. Um, I, don't, I don't think I've ever seen it all the way through, but I know so much about it. I mean, it's, it's so ingrained in pop culture at this point. Um, that's the first that time I've ever heard of it, so I appreciate really? you bringing that to my, oh my attention. God. I will Venmo either of you the money to watch it, like after we do this. It's <laughs> it's so good. I uh, well, the, I have a much. I, I don't know the, the movie I'm about to talk about for my number two is has a big cult following for several reasons, and it's good that we're doing this on Star Wars Day because there is a Star Wars connection to this movie. My number two and my pick for, in my opinion, the most underrated film of all time is a movie from 2003 called Shattered Glass. And the this movie is worth note in the Star Wars connection is because this movie stars Hayden Christensen, the much maligned star of the Star Wars prequels, um, who I think unfairly has a, a lot of criticism heaped on him for his portrayal of Anakin Skywalker. I don't blame him for uh, his, his performance in those movies. I think he was poorly written. But the reason this one's important, it was made in between episodes two and three, and he is phenomenal in this movie. He's great as journalist Stephen Glass. This is based on a true story about a, uh, a writer for uh, The New Republic who was, uh, I'll just say, uh, allegedly or accused 
of writing stories that were either partially or fully fictitious and passing them off as fact. A, a awesome, awesome journalism movie. Anytime someone says, ah, oh, that guy who plays Anakin can't act, I always point him to this movie. But it, it's got a great cast. Um, Chloe Savini, Melanie Linsky, and one of probably my five to ten favorite performances in any movie by Peter Sarsgaard, who is just uh, phenomenal in this movie, playing uh, the, the newly appointed uh, head editor of uh, the New Republic. It's a, it's a, a Rosario Dawson's in this, Steve Zahn, uh, Cliff Curtis. Uh, like this is a really great cast, a very small film. Uh, you know, this was a movie, uh, there was that movie Spotlight that came out a couple years ago, which won Best Picture. Great movie, great journalism movie to me as in terms of journalistic uh, films. This trumps all of them. This is uh, a, an incredibly well done movie, uh, very tense, very well written. And ultimately, uh, kind of tragic and a very interesting character study uh, about a very talented guy who just really not all there uh, mentally, it, it seemed. And a very, very fascinating film. One of my absolute favorite movies of all time. I, I love recommending it to people because it was such a small film, but I think a very important one. Thank you, Chris, uh, for bringing that back to my attention. So I became aware of this movie at some point last year. I watched the trailer. I was like, I need to see this. And then I just never did. So I'm going to I'm <laughs> definitely going to I'm glad you brought that back, like into my foresight. Said it just like triggered when you said the the title of the movie. I was like, oh, my God, I know exactly what he's talking about. I need to go see that movie. It's excellent. Yeah, I, I recommend you and everyone go out and see it. It's it's one of my favorites. I've never seen it either. You got to. We're doing we're doing the Lord's work here, boys. All right. Yeah. Now to number one uh, for me, and it's cliche or whatever, but this is I've been chasing this movie theater experience ever since I went and saw this movie in theaters and Endgame came the closest uh, with the on your left scene. Um, but I still haven't, you know, had that like magic in a movie theater, it became my favorite movie of all time. Uh, it is the Dark Knight. I think it is. It is so well done. Uh, Heath Ledger, like obviously, you know, people. I, I don't think it's overdone, but every time you hear like best villains ever, you're gonna hear Heath Ledger and the Joker, and I think it's 100 percent deserved. Like I don't think you can have too high of expectations if you've never seen this movie going in and watching his performance as the Joker. Dude's like legit crazy. And, and it, it comes out so authentically. Uh, it, it's truly tremendous. It's not really a superhero film. It, it's much more a crime drama than it is a superhero film. And I, I, I love it. I can't get enough of it. I, I watched. I've seen it so many times. I will continue to watch it. Uh, definitely The Dark Knight if you've never seen it. I couldn't recommend it enough. It's and I'll, I'll before you get to you, you make your point, because I've already talked about this movie a bunch. I'll just say. I think taken as a piece of entertainment and uh, in terms of how the industry viewed blockbuster films, how they viewed comic book films, superhero films, um, I would say The Dark Knight is probably the most culturally relevant film of the last 25 years in, all on, in terms of the amount of people who've seen it, the impact it had on all of Hollywood cinema. This was an event when it came out, and I uh, – it's a movie that I re rewatch all the time. Uh, it's a trilogy that I absolutely adore. And it's uh, to me, the, the pinnacle of how to make uh, entertaining cinema, a tight story, incredible direction, a very tight narrative and just thoroughly, thoroughly entertaining. I, I never tire of watching the dark Knight. 
no, I never do. I never tire of that as well. Um, tremendous, tremendous film. Um, what a picture, what a picture. I don't know what else to say about it. Uh, the truck flip scene is one of the coolest practical effects in any movie ever. Um, yeah, I just remember, I remember going to see that back when, um, you couldn't, now they do opening nights on Thursday and, um, it's never, never seems like when you go to a movie, there's that much of a rush to see it. Now I saw this on the Friday. It came out at like eight o'clock at night and this theater was so packed that I couldn't even sit next to like my dad and my brother. And I think my cousin was with us uh, as well. Um, so I kind of sat by myself watching that movie, but did not take away from the experience at all. It was, is amazing. So, uh, does that mean it's my turn? You're oh, number yeah. one, my friend. All right. My number one is cats. No, no I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> uh, my number one, I said I was going comedy, but I think I'm going to bring it back to bring, bring it back to, uh, movies that are just objectively tremendous. I'm going to go with the departed. Uh, We're talking about Boston movies, talk about crime dramas. I mean, this to me, that's, I think it's Scorsese's best movie. People would disagree with me, but uh, Leo is great in it. Matt Damon's great in it. Jack Nicholson's great in it. Uh, Who else is in it? Mark Wahlberg, Alec Baldwin, Anthony uh, Anderson, Martin Sheen. It's maybe the best cast ever for a movie. Yeah, Vera, a very like very early on, like Vera Farmiga. I mm-hmm. remember that. That's kind of the first movie I remember seeing her in. Mm-hmm. Um, just a great movie. Kind of a, it's kind of going. Guy goes undercover with the mob. the The mob has a guy go undercover with the police, and just the whole the whole chase to figure out who's who and um, who's getting what. It's just so good. Um, the final shot's a little too on the nose for me, but hey, yeah, uh, it is what it is. Uh, it's a great movie. Um, I, I find a lot of Scorsese's work to be kind of pretentious uh, to a certain extent, especially given given what he said about Marvel movies and things of that nature. Uh, the Irishman was good, but I think it was more kind of Martin Scorsese plays the hits type deal for yeah. three and a half hours. Um, but yeah, The Departed is is tremendous and. Um, I don't know. I got. I have to think a little bit harder about it being his best movie because he's got like a career that goes back 40 years, but uh, it's definitely, I w- that would be on my Mount Rushmore of his movies. It's just so good. I, uh, I would agree. Yeah. I think uh, the only Martin Scorsese movie to win best picture, the only uh, Academy award he ever won for directing was uh, the departed, uh, a masterful uh, crime film with uh, one of the greatest casts ever. Uh, I went for my number one with, um, what the movie that was my favorite of the most recent decade, if you know me, you know what I'm talking about. My number one is Damien Chazelle's Whiplash from 2014. You know, I think this is a movie that speaks to the power of cinema, in my opinion, because I gotta be honest, I don't care at all about jazz or jazz drummers. I know nothing about that world. It doesn't interest me very much. Um, this movie makes it into the most fascinating thing you're ever going to see. Miles Teller um, plays the main character, Andrew Neiman. And this movie has, when we talk about great movie villains, and, and all these characters are justified in their placements on whatever list of greatest movie villains, whether it be you know, the Joker or Thanos or Hannibal Lecter, you know, to me, Darth Vader, to me, J.K. Simmons as Fletcher in Whiplash is one of the great film antagonists 
of all time because he is so grounded in reality, so fierce, and yet there is a a ideology that, especially near the end of the movie, not to give anything away, is um is very understandable. And I think that this is it's an intense film. Damien Chazelle this is clearly not a one hit wonder. He went on to win the Academy Award for uh, directing a little movie called La La Land, and then he directed a First Man with with Ryan Gosling, which I wasn't crazy about, but definitely had merit. Uh, Whiplash to me was is uh, I watched it on uh, on my laptop my first night in college at Central Michigan, and was absolutely blown away. I I think it's one of the most well-directed, one of the most well-edited movies I've ever seen. I mean, the, the intensity of these drum sequences is uh, otherworldly. And this was directed at the time by a guy who was 30 years old. And I think it's it has one of my favorite performances ever by J.K. Simmons. He won an Academy Award for it. Uh, a, a very small movie. I think anyone in their right mind uh, should should go out and see it. It's one of the most intense, uh, best movies of all time ever. Yeah, the car crash and the subsequent like sequence that follows that is like heart pounding. It's yeah, it's so good. And one of, one of the great endings of any film, in my opinion. Absolutely. Yeah. So we got anything else? Uh, any honorable mentions? I have a few here I've written down, but I'll let you guys go. I, I have a tendency to ramble on here. Well, no, it's uh, you know, it's no problem. I don't have anything to add. I guess I'll I'll just say that uh, I, I I definitely recommend uh, people go out and see see these movies. You did say Anthony, didn't you say you had four movies for your last two spots? Yeah, uh, Cats was one of them as a joke. But, okay, all right. Um, no, um, comedy wise. Um, and one of two of them are one of them is definitely niche. The other one might be a little more niche. And the other one is, you know, what people would consider to be like one of the greatest movies ever. Uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, which oh, I yeah. think is like a perfect. That's a perfect movie to me. Uh, great teen movie. Great Chicago movie. Uh, kind of greatest hits type Chicago thing there. Um, Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story is really one of the most very underrated. Yeah. Probably the most underrated comedy of all time. I mean, I could, I get, I get a lot of the other memes from other movies that we get, but um, Walk Hard is a, it's, it's funny. So when I saw Bohemian Rhapsody, again, I've been pretty upfront about not caring about that movie so much. Um, the, my takeaway from that was that Walk Hard was a better a better music document or documentary um, biopic. Bio, biopic. There we go. It was a better musical biopic than Bohemian Rhapsody was. And it's not even a real movie. Um, it hits, it hits every beat of like parodying the musical biopics so perfectly. And I just, I laugh every time. Um, my other honorable, honorable mention would be evil dead Two, uh, which is a very, I think, it's it's the second Evil Dead, obviously, but it's one of Sam Raimi's earlier movies, and um, you definitely see that style, like that spider, that style. He has a very distinct style, and this is one of the movies where you see it early on because he's got a you know he's got a little bit more of a budget behind him. It's a horror comedy. It kind of um, doesn't totally lampoon the first movie, but it kind of has a little more fun with it and uh, spawn a franchise. So Evil Dead Two would be something that. Uh, if you like to laugh and you like um, you can stomach horror and blood and gore, 
it's it's tremendous. It, it's a movie. It is one of the movies I consider to be perfect. So those would be my honorables. Yeah, I don't. I didn't really have any honorables, Chris. How about you? Uh, no, I, I didn't really have any. I would. I guess if I had one, one that almost made the list, a really small movie from 2011 called Safety Not Guaranteed, uh, directed by Colin Trevorrow, who went on to direct Jurassic World and uh, was going to direct <laughs> Star Wars Episode Nine for about five minutes, even. Wrote a, wrote a script for it. Really s- small uh, independent film starring Jake Johnson, Aubrey Plaza, and Mark Duplass uh, about a guy who posts a, a, a ad in a newspaper uh, saying that he's planning on going time traveling and that he's only done this once. And it's a, it's a really neat little, uh, I, it's kind of a romantic comedy, kind of a coming of age uh, film from 2011 that I, that I really love. So I would, I would throw that out there as well. Well, all right, then we uh, we went a little long today, but I had a ton of fun doing this with you guys. So let's uh, let's go here. Let us know where you can find me on social media, Chris. Oh, you can find me on Twitter at Castellani2014. That's at C-A-S-T-E-L-L-A-N-I-2014. You know, this <laughs> I like to usually end this by promising what content is going to be coming down the pike. I, I don't know what's going on. Um, I. I a lot of, a lot of, uh, what's the word? A lot of mystery right now and a lot of uncertainty, uh, even though it kind of seems like we might be nearing the end of this quarantine, who knows? But, uh, I do have another podcast locked on tigers. You can follow that account at locked on tigers. And if you want to see me on Instagram as well, that's Chris Castle 95. That's C H R I S C A S T L E nine five. Please follow me on all those platforms. Anthony, where can we find you? You can follow me on Twitter at Anthony T. Broom. Uh, follow the website at Maze and Brew. Get our shows wherever you do. Apple, Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher. Uh, check out the Marvel Bracket. It's Marvel Week all week at uh, thespnation.com. We might have some Michigan-centric stuff on Maze and Brew. We're still kind of working that out. Uh, but uh, I've got the bracket set up on uh, the dot .com, the national site. Have a few other fun things coming this week from me. Uh, multiple fun things coming on the Marvel front throughout the week uh, from uh, our Mason Brew or from our SB Nation team, uh, including Caroline, who you heard on the Spider-Man Three commentary track. So yeah, it's gonna be a fun week. Um, again, it does kind of feel like we're maybe it's just the vitamin D and being recharged from the weekend, but it kind of feels like we're on the verge of some positive news here soon. So um, just looking forward to. Emerging from the hibernation too, I guess. And you can go find me on Twitter at Luke Giardi, L-U-K-E-G-H-I-A-R-D-I. Follow the Brewcast Twitter show page at Brewcast Show. And, uh, well, you can, of course, go find us wherever you get your podcasts here on the Mason Brew Podcast Network. And don't forget to leave a review and subscribe. So for Chris Castellani I'm An- er, and Anthony Broom, I'm Luke Giardi, <laughs> and we'll see you next week on Brewcast. <laughs>